0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Tapeheads 80s Music and Beyond. I am Todd in the Pacific Northwest.
1: How you guys doing? I am Blaine. I am down here in the south, where it is starting to get hot.
0: This episode is part four of our 80s glam metal series. Uh, we did a first one on the beginnings of the phenomenon. Part two is on guitar gods. Part three was about power ballads. Super fun. And tonight is about the end of it and where grunge took over became the new big thing. Now, we are not a news show (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination, but there's something that's been going on lately that kind of fits into our purview or our genre or whatever.
1: As as we're talking about heavy metal or hard rock or glam rock.
0: Motley Crue have been going through some uh, (laughs) issues lately. They just came off of a tour, and Mick Mars, the guitarist, Wants to retire. He's 71 years old. He's had health problems for his entire life. He's got some degenerative disease. And he wants to retire from touring. And uh, the band apparently collectively signed an agreement a few years ago saying if anyone left the band, their percentage of pay would be docked. From 25%, because there's four of them, down to 5%, since they're not going on tour. And Mick Mars is fighting that now. Because he's like, I started this band and you can't do that to me. Um, and Nikki's like, man, we love you, but you signed this, this agreement. We all did. So, you know, if you're not playing, you're not going to get paid kind of thing. So that's, that's what it's about.
1: Which I think is, I think is ridiculous because these guys are in the twilight of their career. They said, Hey, we're not, this is the last tour. And the tour was over and he said, okay, thanks guys. I'm out. He can barely stand up straight. I guess he can only stand up straight and, uh, He's decided that he's done. He says, you know, I don't want to, certainly don't want to do any more tours. I'll do some one-off shows if you want to do that kind of stuff or some recording. But I, I can't do this tour anymore. My body won't take it. And so then they did this to him um, rather than just say, yeah, guys, let's just call. I mean, Vince can't sing a song to save his life. It sounds like <laughs> uh, it's just terrible. And... Nikki Six, of course, can still play and Tommy Lee can still play, but you know what? Your band is 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 done. And so he quits or whatever, and they they kind of do this to him, and so he says, you know what, I, I I I didn't like touring this last time because dang near the whole thing was 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 backup tapes. And apparently lots of bands do that, but uh, you know, there was a, a scene uh, you know, six months ago where Tommy Lee got caught. Where the drums started while he was still standing offside of the drums, and uh, so I, you know, when this came out, I went and looked at some of their live shows, and Nikki Six is not playing the bass up there. <laughs> I mean, you see him raising his hand, and he's like playing. Okay, maybe those are open notes. I don't know, but oh no, that doesn't sound like open notes. There, that's that was walking, and his hand <laughs> is still in the air. And then there was a whole other scene where he grabs something. You know, somebody threw something up on stage or something, and it landed on Vince Neil's guitar, and he grabs it with his left hand
0: while he's supposed to be playing.
1: No, no, his right hand. With his right hand, he grabs this off of uh, Vince Neil's guitar, and he's his bass is still playing with no hand at all <laughs> on, on the bottom.
0: You know, it's funny. I haven't followed it that closely, but I have been paying attention to sort of like the back and forth between Mick and Nikki in the press. And even the, the managers and lawyers are going back. And it's getting ugly.
1: Yeah, it's sad. Between
0: those guys. And it is sad. And I guess if these guys were in their 30s or something, and Mick wanted to – I guess I agree with you is what I'm saying. Like if these guys were in their 30s and Mick wanted to leave the band, they'd be like, Bye you know you're out yeah but i mean how much longer are they all gonna live like just give us no, money know. who cares
1: so they got this new guitarist now john five they already
0: have the new guitar
1: oh yeah and as a matter of fact <laughs> i heard today or i saw last night they are in the recording studio recording a new album already with this new with john five
0: dang ouch mick can't be too happy about that no <laughs> man
1: Going into part four of our heavy metal, kind of the ending of heavy
0: metal. Heavy metal never ends, man.
1: (laughs) Things got really, really crazy. I mean, they were bringing in bands that the record execs were just out everywhere trying to find people because they wanted to make a buck. And they found the craziest bands.
0: And bands started showing up from all over the country to L.A. to try and have their shot, too. So it was a combination of, I mean, it was just a whole big tidal wave coming in from everywhere. I remember when this came
1: out. This this is 87. I remember when I first saw White Lion Wait on MTV.
0: Oh, I remember that, too.
1: I know that they weren't the greatest songwriters, but that song, Wait, I loved it. I love how it started with the guitar and then went into the... Now, 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 now. Of course you can play that part. <laughs> I'll edit that in. I love that the song stops. I love any song that stops in the middle of it. And it stops. But I love the very ending how the tempo seems like they're not following any kind of a metronome at all. The guitar at the end hmm. it's like it slows way down and then speeds up and slows back down and speeds back up. I don't know. This is a good song. But that is really when things started going crazy.
0: I seem to remember that being the song that had the guitar solo with just finger tapping and no pick.
1: Could be. I don't know.
0: That might be the one. It was one of the White Lion songs that you didn't use a pick on it. Just kind of for uh, an effect.
1: And then this band came out, and this song was completely different than all the other heavy metal songs, that was Guns N' Roses, Welcome to the Jungle.
0: Oh, so good.
1: And, And you didn't like the singer. No. And he was a different singer, but this band, when they came out, they were so dirty. They were just like this raw band. There was nothing glam about these guys. Not at all. These guys were all heroin addicts. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean I don't know if that's
1: true or not. Most
0: of them were, yes. At least
1: at least the drummer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I heard some story about that when they got their first record contract, they took their money and spent it all on heroin and stuff. I don't know if that's true or not. To the they hit it pretty big and everybody bought their albums.
0: Including me and you.
1: I think that I had I was still buying tapes at this
0: time. No way, you had to have a CD player by then. When did
1: the first Beatles album
0: come out on CD? 87? Well, there you go. I'm sure you had a CD player by then. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you just didn't have the 20 bucks to cough up for a CD.
1: Well, and that's that's the thing about that. CDs were a little bit more spendy and if you didn't quite want to spend spend your 20 bucks on a CD, well, I'll buy the album for 8 bucks on tape. Then uh, another band came out, was Great White. Do you remember when those guys came out?
0: I want to say it was
1: 88. Well, this, this song came out in November of 87. Save Your Love.
0: Oh, well, then I want to say they came in uh, at 87 then. I don't know. I don't know the exact year for them because I never liked them. I just thought their songs were terrible.
1: When they came out, that now put the whole thing of Great White Lion Snake. Was now in the public We should name
0: this show that This episode Great
1: White Lion Snake Yeah, because I mean That's really how this was That is crazy I mean, you three different bands With the name White in it
0: All these bands Were pretty much interchangeable All the bands that came out In the last, you know Few years of the heavy metal thing I mean, they all look the same They all sound the same They had a bleach blonde singer For the most part All the band had like Black hair And the singer Oh yeah, the singer would have a scarf Wrapped around his head they just all, I mean, you can't tell them apart, so of course a name like Great White Lion Snake is about what the whole scene, you could have named the whole scene that. Then
1: here's here here's another song by Great White, Once Bitten Twice Shy.
0: Terrible.
1: That was a song from 1975, did you know that? I thought they wrote the dumb song.
0: That was a cover song? No, I didn't know yeah,
1: that. Yeah, and I thought, that's why I always thought, what are you writing this crap? <laughs> about tattoos of the guys in the group and having a jacket from the band and on the tour bus and all this crap just weird stupid lyrics
0: i never knew you had a uh, rock
1: Rock and and roll roll record
0: record until i saw your picture on another guy's jacket
1: well ian hunter wrote that in 1975
0: ian hunter you remember his his other hit no all the good ones are taken
1: don't know that one All right. so ian hunter 1975 wow. and all this time i thought great white wrote that piece of junk
0: me too that blows my mind
1: so then that was the end of 87 then 88 comes and i can't
0: believe it was 87 all that stuff was 87 your
1: best band that you love poison
0: nope
1: ain't nothing but a good time Gosh. remember that they had the different album cover right because the first album cover was ooh, look at that tongue
0: too risque too sexual
1: what was the second album cover i don't even remember the first cover had the guy with the long tongue on it
0: the second one it was all kind of blacked out around the edge so all you could see was the eyes that's funny so it was the same picture just just you know kind of blacked out it made it more black it's like how much more black could it be and the answer was a little bit none none blacker because cc plays the same for everything it would just be funny to make a kind of compilation of some of his greater moments. (laughs) He has this little lick he does and it'd be funny to play like, oh, here's the fast version of it. here's the slow version of it. And here's the triplet version. I found a uh, some audio clips of uh, CC. He said that poison is like a well-oiled puzzle. But
1: you know, see, everyone has their strong point. You know, everyone everyone says the lovely thing about this band. It's a what's a well-oiled
0: puzzle? What the heck is that? <laughs> When's the last time you put oil in a puzzle? <laughs> um, Ricky is just artistic. I mean, he's Va- Van Gogh's ear that grew.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: What does that even mean? <laughs> this ear that grew.
1: And th- this, that was the oh, year that man. you graduated 88, yes Yeah, so I mean you were At this time you were out Taking on the world, listening to Every Rose Has Its Thorn I was listening
0: to Beatles by this time I had transitioned out of the metal thing And I was uh, obsessed okay. with Beatles and listening to them all the time That took me to like XTC and The Police and That sort of thing, REM The college rock of the time That's what they called it
1: Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood, which I didn't really care for the song too much when I heard it, probably because it reminded me of the Beatles. Because Dr. Dr. Robert, I guess, (laughs) is what it reminded me of. Because it's the same kind of thing. It was about a doctor that's giving you medication for your pain. Same kind of thing. Mick Mars, his guitar tone is really different than most heavy metals. It's got this teeth to it does that make any mm-hmm. sense it's just really grindy not happy how most a lot of other heavy metal songs are and i noticed i saw some you know show with john five playing and the songs just aren't as biting hmm. as when mick mars was playing not that i'm a big motley crew fan by any means but
0: i thought you're gonna say not be- not that i'm a big fan of biting <laughs> mick has a way of using his wah pedal too that's very distinctive um, and you can always tell it's Mick. Oh, yeah. His tone is a little darker, too, I guess. And I think that's what you're saying. Uh,
1: that might have been what I was saying. 1990. We talked about this. I think probably in 1990 was I listening to... Jazz Fusion, then?
0: I think we were. We had moved on. I mean, we listened to, like, Toy Matinee and Jellyfish and stuff, but we were also moved on to the Jazz Fusion, like Rippingtons and Lee Rittenauer and George Benson and all that.
1: Which I think is kind of funny that, I mean, you were a little bit different, but I was kind of more like the record-buying public, and I was... You know, this was a very short, uh, Heavy Metal was like six years or something, that it was popular.
0: Oh, that it was popular, right.
1: And I was kind of sick of it and moving on, but they still continued on. Faith No More came out, and they were completely different than a lot of these heavy metal bands. Oh, yeah. Their song was different. listen to this march of 1990 nine inch nails head like a hole i don't ever remember that it got to number 45 in the uk
0: i certainly remember head like a hole oh absolutely you remember it in 1990 yeah wow i don't remember that well i don't remember what year but i certainly remember the song okay yeah a bunch of my friends were huge into nine inch nails didn't chart here in the u.s
1: And then your favorite, Nelson. I can't live without your love and affection.
0: I don't hate Nelson. I, no,
1: I remember you had their poster.
0: I didn't have a poster. <laughs> okay, maybe I had a poster. I can't live without your love adventure. Did you really? You never had a no. poster. <laughs> I was going to leave that as a little mystery and let people wonder. <laughs> uh, maybe I had a poster of Nelson.
1: what do you remember about those guys?
0: I remember the song after the rain. And I remember that Ricky Nelson was their dad and Ozzy and Harriet were their grandparents. <laughs> That's Hollywood royalty in a way. So they were very privileged.
1: I think that I, I read somewhere that they were the first family to have three different generations with hit songs hmm. on the radio. Wow. Well, maybe actually it was number one. Maybe it was number one. Cause, uh, love and affection was a number one song
0: gosh i didn't remember that
1: which brings us to the next song let me pull these lyrics up here oh my gosh this song is so terrible
0: oh man we could do a whole big section on terrible songs because uh (laughs) there are so many
1: (laughs) this great song came out okay what's got you so jumpy why can't you sit still yeah like gasoline you wanna pump me (laughs) and leave me when you get your fill yeah every time i touch you you get hot i want to make love you never stop come up for air you pull me to the floor what's been going on in that head of yours unskinny bop just blows me away yeah unskinny bop bop all night and day unskinny bop 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 <laughs> bop she just loves to play unskinny bop nothing more to say
0: gosh that is so stupid
1: and that song made it to number three they really for the most part were a talentless band that got lucky
0: they really were
1: because they could have they could have been the tora Torah if they would have come along later
0: well think about this they also could have been bang tango and they could have been ruby slippers <laughs>
1: That is a terrible song.
0: I mean, we got a long list of terrible songs that we could go through. Yeah, what else you got? Uh, Well, I was thinking of uh, one that people sort of make fun of is by Warrant. Called Cherry Pie, but I don't put that on. I don't think that's a terrible song. I just think it's a catchy kind of pop song. It's kind of whatever. But they have another one that's really terrible called Uncle Tom's Cabin.
1: You know what's funny about <laughs> Do you that? Do you have the lyrics to that is, by any chance? Is, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll pull them up here. I'll pull them up. So <laughs> you gotta read those. I, I don't know what was what's the what's the warrants the lead singer Janie Lane. Janie Lane. He he died from basically they say depression and all that.
0: Yeah, drank himself to death.
1: Yeah, and some people say that it was because Cherry Pie, he didn't like that he had written that song and that that was what his band was remembered for, Cherry Pie. I think it probably, he may have been depressed and drank himself to death because he wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't hate on Cherry Pie. You'll never hear me hating on it. He doesn't have any reason to be depressed over that. It was
1: just a, it was just a catchy song.
0: Yeah, he written a bunch of songs, and the record company was like, well, I don't hear any hits. And he's like, well, okay, you want a hit? here you go. <laughs>
1: So, Warrant wrote this song called Uncle Tom's Cabin, and you're thinking, okay.
0: Oh, it's going to be racial, social justice.
1: Yeah, does <laughs> this have anything to do with the book that was very famous, right? Well, did it? No, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> it uh, That was just the name of his uncle. Oh, well, uh, you know, of all the uncles you can do in the world, why would you say Uncle Tom? Why would you
0: write about Uncle Tom? And that he has a cabin. Like... There's a very famous story <laughs> called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah,
1: yeah, and the cabin. That is the, 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 the cabin, Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. This, okay, you want me to read, read some of the lyrics? lyrics
0: yes, please. This is so bad.
1: Just for the record, let's get the story straight. Me and Uncle Tom were fishing. It was getting pretty late. Out on Cypress Limb above the Wishing Well, where they say it got no bottom, say it take you down to hell. So, first off, they were fishing. But they were also up in a tree. Were they fishing from the tree? Maybe they were climbing out on one of those limbs
0: over the bank of the river. Okay, maybe. You know, to get out there where the big fish are.
1: Over in the bushes and off to the right. So, you know, to the right.
0: Oh, sure.
1: (laughs) Two men taken in the pale moonlight. Sheriff John Brady and Deputy Hedge hauling two limp bodies down to the water's edge i know a secret down at uncle tom's cabin oh yeah i know a secret that i just can't tell where's the cabin in this story now it's all of a sudden in the story they were talking about fishing oh it's so bad okay they didn't see me and tom in the tree either one believing what the other could see tossed in the bodies let him sink on down to the bottom of the well where they'd never be found
0: thing about this is the lyrics are fine they're not good but why call it uncle tom's cabin like you could you could change the name and change something just slightly and then it wouldn't have it we wouldn't be making fun of it i could see jay coming up to the band hey guys i got a new idea for a great song it's called schindler's list it's about a guy <laughs> and named he has Schindler. to go to the grocery store and he doesn't want to forget anything so he's going to write it all down they're like, uh, there's already a thing called Schindler's List. Oh, no, dude. It's really relatable, dude.
1: What's crazy about this is I like this song because it's got like a lot of progressiveness kind of stuff in it. Really? Yeah. A lot of crazy stuff that doesn't normally happen in heavy metal rock songs. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, listen to it. All there's right. some crazy drum stuff in it. And it's been a little while. It's It's just a little bit different, but the lyrics are just dumb.
0: I have a list, a big list of bands. This is how, this is a bunch of the last, last tier of bands. And I just thought it'd be fun to go through some of these and see how many we know. See if you recognize some of them, you will, but many of All them right. you might not try to go through them kind of fast jackal yes trickster yeah i know the name jet boy nope britney fox yes black and blue no bullet boys yes uh i can't read my own handwriting danger danger
1: yes i forgot i totally forgot about danger danger (laughs) that was like tora tora (laughs) I can't tell you one song. Tora Tora was the war cry that the Japanese did when they attacked Pearl Harbor. Yes, that's true. So they kind of the same as uh, Hanoi Rocks and <laughs> Saigon Kick. Anyway, go ahead.
0: All right, Danger Danger. Bang Tango. <sighs> I know the name. Yeah. Killer Dwarfs. Nope. My brother had that tape. Dangerous Toys. No. Paradise. Also, "Pair a Two different bands.
1: jeez, oh, nope neither of them.
0: Yep, me neither. Junkyard. No. LA Guns.
1: Yes. Which I found out I found out that LA Guns uh the uh, Tracy Guns was in Guns N Roses when they first started and that's why it was called Guns N Roses. He yes. had Tracy Guns in it and, and Axel Rose. Axel Rose and then he left
0: and Axel's like I'm keeping the name.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and he went and started L.A. Guns, which I couldn't tell you any of their
0: hits. Neither could I. Uh, Faster Pussycat. Yes. I have a funny story about them. I have a familial connection with them, actually. You know my dad? Yes. He doesn't like them. <laughs> that's a joke. That's not, that's not it. No, my, actually, my cousin builds guitars, like high-end custom guitars. And on his website... He uh, has pictures of all of them, and like if there's somebody famous that has bought one, he'll mention that. And the guy from Faster Pussycat bought one of his guitars. There you go. And the name of his company is Eccentric Guitars, spelled with an X. If you want to go check those out. Kiel. No. Interesting thing about him is Ron Kiel introduced the world to Ingve Momstein in the band Steeler. Hmm. He became friends with Ingve, and Ingve was still living in Sweden. He was like 18 years old. And Ron's like, You're amazing. We want you for the band. And so he's the one who got Ingve over here. So, the first, if you have that album, the first two thirds of it is just forgettable rock band stuff. And then the last third of it is like shredding guitars that's amazing. It's Ingve. And you're just like, Wow, nobody had heard anything like that before. So, that's Ron Keel's claim to fame at first. But then he had a couple albums of his own, which I actually bought and still have to this day. Okay, Vinnie Vincent Invasion Yes Slaughter Yes Slaughter was Vinnie Vincent Invasion Minus Vinnie Vincent <laughs> Oh, really? Because he wanted to break up the band And all the rest of the guys were like Well, we like playing with each other They just couldn't deal with Vinnie So <laughs> Didn't end up having a bigger hit than anything he did Yeah, exactly
1: now you've got to
0: fly, Thunder no, stupid band name. Ugly Kid Joe.
1: Yes, they redid uh Cats in the Cradle. Oh yeah, okay little
0: This might be my favorite band name for all these Ruby Slippers. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> nope, We love Wizard of Oz, don't you? Are you ready to rock? We are Ruby Slippers! Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs>
1: my pretties, my pretty,
0: and your little dog too. Kicks.
1: Oh yeah,
0: Kicks. you know. Him?
1: I couldn't tell you any of their songs, no. but I know the name. Yeah, uh, London. Actually, I do know them. Do know them. I don't know their songs, though.
0: They, I don't think they had any real songs. They were like a, uh, a an L.A. band that everybody kind of went through. There were no original members. Just like Nikki Six played with them before he joined Motley Crue.
1: That might be why I know them.
0: I think uh, one of the guys from Dio played with them. Like every guitarist kind of went through and played with them. That was like the incubator kind of band. Like that's where everybody cut their teeth and got to like learn their craft. But they never had any hits. Oh, uh, another one, Striper
1: Oh yeah Again, I know them and I knew their song that was played on MTV But I couldn't tell you it right now off my head
0: To Hell with the Devil, hey, to hell with the devil. They were the Christian heavy metal band And they would throw Bibles out at the audience And sometimes people would get hit in the face by a Bible <laughs> Jeez. I can imagine them going home to their parents, and I was like, son, what happened? You got in a fight? No, mom, I got, I got hit in the face with a Bible.
1: So all this craziness went on with all these bands that you named, and then the next band that came out, Smells Like Teen Spirit Nirvana. Hold
0: that thought for just one second, because I have a funny story that can tie this in with my brother. Let's call my brother Cork. Ah. And he and his friend, who we'll call Bone, were riding around <laughs> in Cork's car, and they were listening to Striper. And (laughs) Bone said, hey, uh, Cork, I got this new tape. You got to check it out. It's by a band called Nirvana. And it must have been Bleach because it was when they were still in high school. And so I think it it was probably Bleach. But Bone said, yeah, check this out. It's it's Nirvana. Popped out Striper tape, put in Nirvana, listened to a couple songs. And my brother's like, oh, man, that's pretty good, Nirvana. But I think I'd rather listen to Striper. (laughs) He took it out and put Striper back in. (laughs) He's probably the only person in the universe who has said that sentence (laughs) aloud. Yeah, Nirvana's pretty cool, but I'd rather listen to Striper So Nirvana comes
1: out in October of 91 and really changes Does a whole reset And I guess it probably needed to happen, right? No, oh, yeah. Because it was it was getting crazy.
0: When all the all the bands were moving to Hollywood and trying for their shot. Uh I've just finished two books recently about all this. One was called I Want My MTV and the other one was called Nothing But a Good Time, which was about this whole time period. And uh the, one of the record company guys said, You know, if you were watching Headbanger's Ball or if you were, you know, listening to the Radio and you think, Boy, there's sure are sure a lot of these bands that sound the same. I mean, if you were in Hollywood, you go to the Sunset Strip, he said there were hundreds more, especially by the end, hundreds. <laughs> and they all looked the same and sound the same. And it just created a glut. And there was just no way any of these bands could compete, especially once Nirvana came out.
1: And they probably all said, hey, we got to move to Seattle now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And they probably did.
0: Nelson was the last band, last of these hair bands on the same record label as Nirvana. Gunnar Nelson went down to the record company to check it out. And they used to have a huge, like you'd walk into the front office and you'd see like behind the secretary of the main desk, there'd be a big poster of Nelson up there. And he went in, this is probably like 91, he went in to go talk about making a new album. And suddenly he saw behind the desk, he saw a big picture of Nirvana. And he's like, oh, something's changed. <laughs> Actually, the same thing happened with Janie Lane uh, when he went to go talk about their new album. They were on the same record company as uh Alice in Chains. It was the same thing. They used to have a big Warrant poster behind the desk, and you went back and there was an Alice in Chains poster. <laughs> gosh. Just like, we're done.
1: So this grunge stuff was completely different than the heavy metal. Heavy metal was this, you know, kind of uh, they had a background in classical music with how the guitarists played, and they were really were masters of their instruments and in the way they played. The drummers were really good. The bassists, for the most part, were good. The guitarists were stellar. Grunge, not so much.
0: Everybody's trying to outdo each other with virtuosity and singing high. Who can sing the highest? Who can play the guitar the fastest? Who can do the coolest drum solo and the most impressive everything? Yeah, that all totally changed with grunge.
1: <laughs> yeah, grunge. I mean, they would have songs that the beginning of the song, the guitars, were out of tune. I mean,
0: what the heck? How hard is it to just turn a little knob and make it into? Well,
1: but they did it on purpose, and it was a, some kind of a point that this is... F- out of our heart, you know. You know, we're really mad. This is the angst of us.
0: Oh, right. Okay.
1: <laughs> I don't know. But that's the way
0: they did it. And they didn't use any crazy equipment. It was just guitar plugged straight into an amp turned all the way up. That's your sound.
1: Now, it was a little bit different with Nirvana. Nevermind was was recorded you know a little bit different But that but it got huge No, oh, yeah And some of these bands Kind of held on for a while uh, Guns N' Roses Were still living off of their Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 Ozzy Osbourne had a hit With No More Tears Oh right Def Leppard Their next album Finally came out in 92 And they got Let's Get Rocked, we wanna get rocked. Metallica Another one Nothing Else Matters And this is the first time They were really ever on charts And they had three hits Off of the Black album Which a lot of people Don't like Uh, Probably because it's so mainstream, I guess, if you want to call it that. And then Jeremy, Pearl Jam Jeremy, uh, another one of the kind of hits that came out at that time that were obviously grunge and heavy metal was done. I mean it was it was a completely different time. I was listening to Jazz Fusion, smooth jazz, whatever you want to call it at the time, and I didn't really get a lot of this grunge stuff that was going on. And so I really kinda missed it.
0: Well and you were out on your mission too, right?
1: At the very beginning of it, yeah.
0: Yeah. So at the very beginning of it for me, while you were out there, I was still in Yakima and I was trying I'd been playing in bands and stuff a little bit, but I'd been playing, you know, the hard rock stuff which there was no nobody wanted that by the time the grunge thing happened so i wasn't i switched and started playing bass but man the music scene in yakima everyone because yakima on the cosmic scale is so close to seattle that it might as well have been there like if you were in california you're like oh you're from washington oh you've been to seattle and a lot of my friends actually moved to seattle in the hopes of having some sort of career for the most part they did not i only know of one guy his name was mark olson he started a band called sage Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. He actually became kind of big. I think he might still be around. I mean, he's made a good good run of it. But yeah, for the most part, all the bands just sounded terrible. And the music wasn't fun for me to play, because I liked this earlier stuff. And so playing grunge was just no fun for me, and especially if it was you know, derivatives of derivatives of derivatives played by 16-year-old kids, 18-year-old kids who didn't know how to play. I mean, it just was no fun. If you really want to know what that scene was like in Yakima, there's a compilation album called Rotten Apples. Somebody uploaded that to YouTube a few years ago, and it is so hard to listen to. Actually, there are three parts. I'll post these to our links for this episode just so you can hear what it was like. But man, that's what it was like growing up in Yakima during the grunge years and trying to be a musician. I could not have been less interested in that stuff. For a good time, you can listen to that.
1: See what you missed. Or you can listen to Poison. Ain't nothing but a good time.
0: I would rather listen to that than the first Rotten Apples album. Hmm. Okay. Well. Yep. So that's saying something right there. <laughs> Alice in Chains was one of the first bands to make its way to LA or, or to be. You know, they would join uh, some of the LA bands when they played up in Seattle. And they actually toured with Helix and Extreme. They opened for those two. <laughs> and they also opened for Poison. Um, and they opened for Great White. And check this out. They said that they got signed opening for Great White at a racetrack in eastern Washington. That could have been in Yakima.
1: Oh, probably was. I don't
0: know how many racetracks there are in eastern Washington, but there can't be many.
1: Great White uh, did play in Yakima, and I remember when they played in Yakima, because I saw that Jack Russell guy or whatever. I saw the whole band in an AM, PM mini-mart when I was coming home from work, but I saw him, and I was very surprised at how short he was, Nieta. 44 ounce pop in his hand they were probably getting ready to get on the bus and head to uh, seattle or uh, tri-cities or something
0: or the racetrack
1: they could have played at the racetrack
0: i think they played i want to say the first time they played it was during the huge years and i think they played the sundome one of the early shows at the sundome
1: it might have been at the sundome
0: but i wouldn't be surprised if when they came back around they would have played at the racetrack which would be kind of crazy What's your favorite grunge band, or some of your favorite grunge bands? Because I know this is not our thing, but there are still some good bands.
1: Well, I don't know if you would call them grunge, but I really liked uh, Stone Temple Pilots.
0: They're one of my favorites, too.
1: I really loved that first Lemonheads album. Oh, yeah. I don't think they were grunge. They were more like a rock.
0: Yeah, like power pop kind of.
1: liked presidents of the united states of america
0: also from seattle
1: are they grunge
0: i don't know i don't know that i can call them grunge but i'm also good blow,
1: whoa, 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 i liked some bush but i liked uh, the band called live mm, yeah they were out during this time but i don't know
0: i don't know if i'd call them grunge though but yeah they're kind of close kind of a tangentially related maybe I think my favorite grunge bands are Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. They could play really well, and they would do like time signature changes and stuff. And they were they were just really great. And Chris Cornell's voice, especially later on in their career, was awesome. Oh my gosh!
1: Are they the one that did the Rooster?
0: No, that's Alice in Chains.
1: Alice in Chains, I like that song.
0: That album is killer. Dirt. And then probably Stone Temple Pilots, too. Really like them. But Nirvana had, especially on their last album, they had some good songs. Heart-Shaped Box is probably my favorite. I like to play, is it Lithium? I like playing that on the piano You can do it like a ballad It's very funny
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan, really Yeah, neither am I I really loved Foo Fighters
0: Yeah, yeah Dave Grohl's kind of brilliant
1: Even their early stuff Because I remember our friend Rob Had the first Foo Fighters album And told us how great it was I didn't listen to it really then But I did listen to it a little bit later
0: I don't remember him talking about that. I just remember seeing the video all over the place.
1: And uh, Dave Grohl, I think, played all the instruments on that. He did
0: on that first one, yeah. Yeah, amazing. So it wasn't just grunge that killed this metal. It was kind of like combination of mtv stopped playing that music actually kind of stopped playing a lot of music in general they changed to a format of reality tv shows yeah and game shows and stuff like that and they would relegate the music shows to like headbangers ball yo mtv raps that's another thing hip-hop came up huge and that started kind of becoming more popular than metal the power Gosh, I would even put uh, what's his name? Uh, friends in Low Places Garth Brooks I'd, I'd even put Garth Brooks in that the new country thing just became massive
1: the
0: There started to become some female voices also like Tori Amos's first album I'm putting that in Little Earthquakes I think was 91 might have been 92 but she that album was a real game changer for a lot of people including myself so yeah i'll put i'll put her in that group too i know she was a female singer so you probably didn't like her
1: regardless it was grunge country you know just everyone was just going yeah hip-hop it was just going away from the heavy metal and it just died out on the vine and new and bands that had done heavy metal they had to do an album and they knew that they weren't going to have any hits that they did albums that sounded like grunge and i can't think of any of them right now but i know of like three or four bands that did that yeah, I think
0: Motley Crue dabbled with that and Rat dabbled with that. Yeah. Well, Pantera was kind of a bridge between the two. I think they toured with some of the heavy metal bands and they were also kind of grunge. Maybe Skid Row?
1: I don't know. I think so. I can't remember right off.
0: A lot of those bands, they would go out on tour and they'd just watch audiences dwindle and dwindle. They'd start playing in huge arenas. And then partway through the tour, they'd just be like playing little clubs or like small arenas.
1: Down at the racetrack in Yakima. <laughs>
0: Or they went from playing like big, uh, they'd have multiple trucks full of equipment to travel around with, and then pretty soon, by the next tour out, grunge had hit. And then if they went on tour at all, they'd be all crammed into the back of a van. (laughs) Like, I thought we'd gone past this stage of our career.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's another thing, uh, getting back to this whole Motley Crue thing, Mick Mars talks about that. He's the only one of the band that's taken the bust between shows and all these other guys are taking airplanes and wasting all their money, hmm. which I thought that was kind of funny.
0: Well, he's been kind of slagging on them too. He wrote a big, long, like press release kind of thing. And he's like, I've held these bastards together for years naming them. He's like, you guys are a bunch of felons. You, Tommy Lee, you are uh, convicted of spousal abuse and you, meaning Vince Neal, You were uh, convicted of manslaughter, killing Razzle from Hanoi Rocks. He's, he's, I mean, this is 40 years ago and he's still like bringing that stuff up. Like if you're in a married couple, like are you gonna bring up something from 1984? Hey, remember 40 years ago when you said this? Well, I'm still mad about it. (laughs) I'm not gonna let you live it down. thanks for joining us hope this has been fun
1: yeah it's been fun to get to talk about all these heavy metal bands again and listen to some of these songs we will make up another playlist on spotify with all these songs on it so that you can listen to them and relive your memories and think about driving down the street listening to what's that nelson song
0: after the rain
1: by nelson (laughs) listening to that as you're rolling down the road and uh (laughs) Just bring back those memories.
0: And go back if you haven't heard them yet, or even if you haven't, you can go back and listen to them again. The first three episodes in this series, about the beginnings of heavy metal, into the guitar gods, into power ballads, and then finishing it up with this.
1: Yep, listen to all of them on your road trip down to... uh, Sunset Strip. Down to uh, Hollywood as you're going to go down there and listen to these bands. Listen to them all in your car.
0: Yeah, maybe you can drive over to Trevor Rabin's house, see what's going on over there.
1: See his wife taking the garbage out. It'll be great.
0: (laughs) Take your family.
1: All right. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Blaine saying goodbye. I'm
0: Todd saying goodbye. See you next time.